The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? It's From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing Yes, sir, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Boston Podcast. This is David Yaz, your host, where we tell the stories of your city through the voices of your city, and the podcast is supported by the U.S., Postal Service, second largest employer in the United States. Bet you didn't know that. Offering paid training and ways to move up. Apply today at usps.com slash careers. The U.S. Postal Service deliver for the nation. We promise interesting voices and personalities around town. And I have one such personality, someone I've known for a long time, and it is attorney Hindell Grossman. Welcome to the show, Hindell. Hello, David. I'm so glad you're here. First time in the studio for you. Yes, it is. What nice do you think? Here. Is very it nice? nice? I love the soundproofing. It's yeah. very cozy in here. Very nice. Like yeah. it. We are careful to say sound treated because if we uh, say soundproof, it's we're, we're not quite NASA here. We're not quite um, you know if um, if a pin drops outside the studio, you won't hear it. But if one of those really loud rigs, one of those huge trucks, uh, comes flying by every once in a while, you'll you'll hear a little something. So, but that's just the personality of our uh, region that's here. Life here. That's life. That's, that's life, life here in the Boston area. So Hindell is a family lawyer. She also hosts a podcast called Inside Divorce with Hindell Grossman. She is um, partner and grand poobah and owner and CEO. I'm just going to keep throwing labels on here. I'll we'll get one of them right. Uh, of Grossman and Associates. And before I forget, the website is GrossmanLTD.com. It's Grossman, typical spelling to us is LTD.com. So as we do on the show, Hindel, you're brave enough to to survive this, the, what's about to happen, and it's called the Boston Vault. And what we do is we put you in the vault. You hear the, oh, the steel door. door. They're, I think they're opening and then they're closing or something. Locked inside. There's a big mechanical operation. Yeah. Going on here. There, okay, now it's all right, enough. All right, got, we get the point. Sound effects. Okay, so just some questions about uh, Boston. So, what is, if you had to pick your favorite spot in, now when I say Boston, you can interpret it either as the city proper where your office is still in Boston, right? No, I'm in oh. Newton on oh. Wells Avenue in Newton. Well, then. It used to be when you knew me long ago. I One know. Street. I got to I got to check out your no longer new digs, I guess, because yes, I used to visit you down right business district kind of near right near Faneuil Hall ish, right? Right. One yeah. State Street right on the walkway that cut through to Washington Street near the old state house. Yes. The historic old state house. Of course, the old the old state house. Such a lovely building. So um, you can inter- when I say Boston, you can interpret it as either Boston proper or Greater Boston, which you know you're in Newton. Here we are in Westwoods at our lovely Pod Six One Seven Studios. Pardon the plug, but um, so here we. So if you had to pick a favorite spot in the in the city, could you do that? Yes. Okay. I can. Um, I did not grow up here, but nevertheless, I've been here a long time. I wasn't going to tell anyone, but Hindell grew up in New Jersey. All right, sorry. Yeah, Jersey. <laughs> I'm a Jersey girl. Right. Um, I love the median down Calm out in the Back Bay. That, okay. That very shaded, beautiful strip of yes. land with the sculptures okay. in it. Yep. You walk your dogs or just There are a lot stroll. of dogs there. There are yes. a lot of dogs. And I have a dog, so I'm very fond of that spot, although I don't live in the Back Bay. But I really think it's a beautiful spot. It kind of 
illustrates Boston's history and heritage so nicely. What kind of dog do you have? I have a Labradoodle, an Australian Labradoodle, and, uh, named what? Winston. Winston? By Na- Churchill. Is that, he's named after Win- Winston Churchill? <laughs> he yes. Is. Does he look like Winston Churchill? He no. doesn't have a cigar, okay. although he could. <laughs> Sometimes when he has a stick in his mouth, he looks like he has a cigar. Yeah, don't we all? No, um, so <laughs> I, the reason I even ask about the dog, normally I wouldn't, although, you know, nothing against dogs, but growing, I was always allergic to dogs. I still remain allergic to most dogs, but my girlfriend recently got a dog named Kobe, and I, I don't know what kind of dog it is, but he looks like Benji. You remember ben, the Benji oh, yeah, movies, right? Uh-huh. And so... The I, athletic one. Yeah, yeah. No, no, Benji was little. Benji was, yeah. um, like, this dog is part poodle, I think, um... Wasn't Benji the one that shot baskets? No, that's oh. Air Bud. No, Benji was, oh, for crap. Oh, sorry, I, I, I don't mean to be so frustrated. Uh, it's just it's just a dog about, it's just a movie about a dog. And there are plenty of them. But I'm going to find um, a clip of uh, one of the one of the Benji movies. And I'm going to turn, jeez, everything is going haywire. You remember, Hindel, remember how I told you I didn't trust technology? Like I hit a button and some sound comes out of somewhere. But Benji was a dog. That was he didn't quite solve crimes, but he was just like a beloved dog. And they, made, I think Disney made three or four mm-hmm. um, movies about Benji. And uh, I realize how off topic we are here. Um, for the love of Benji, here he is. The canine superstar returns, and this time he's headed abroad. He is cute. He is cute, right? Yeah. Now, what do you know enough about the dogs to say what kind of dog he would be? I, I don't. Nope. Okay. There's so many blends now of dogs. Right. Yeah, this dog is a is a blend. I don't know if you call him a mutt, but he's it's a something doodle. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Well, so that, are you, you allergic is the question? No, I'm not allergic to yeah, Kobe. Excellent. And I guess that I wouldn't nice have... nice of your girlfriend not to get you, uh, not to get a dog that you're Yeah, I, there was some testing involved where I had to, like, take certain dogs and rub them on my face. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun day. All right, back to, back to the vault. So... Uh, favorite restaurant in Boston or surrounding areas? Oh, that's a hard one because I do dine out a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, or favorite new restaurant, maybe. You can you can go that way if you like. Well, you know, I really love Julia's on Mass Ave in Cambridge. What kind of food is that? Uh, Italian. Okay. And uh, Ostra, I'm very fond of her fish, seafood. That, that sounds familiar. Where is Ostra? i got to get out more often, Ostra clearly. Ostra is near uh, the Park Plaza Hotel. Uh, okay. What's uh, that area called? Uh, Park Plaza. I would call it Park Plaza area. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's on the outskirts, sort of the outskirts of the back bay. I don't know. I so guess. It's kind of the theater district in a way. Yeah. Right. It's no longer... See, before you arrived in Boston, or maybe right around the time you arrived in Boston, we used to call it the combat zone. Lovingly called it the combat zone. But, mm. but now they cleaned up the combat, so... There's only one gentleman's club remaining in there. Uh, I'm told. I'm told. So, um, it how will, about you? Favorite restaurants? Um, I don't know. Um, it's funny. I like. I like. There's a there's a great Italian place in Providence. Ooh, uh, the Verboten. This is the Boston podcast. I'm talking about Providence, but it's um, you know, it's, it's an easy ride down there, and it's right on the plaza. And um, I can't even think of the name of my favorite re- restaurant. We you just go. We just go and like. It, it's it's actually very interesting and almost like a throwback to a bygone era. Mm-hmm. That on you ever go to I'm sure you've been to Federal Hill. I have. Uh, and so you you drive under the pineapple, which is actually a pine cone, and there's a whole plaza area there. And if you go there on a Friday or Saturday night or maybe either, there is live music. I uh, would use quotation fingers because it's typically some crooner with a background track 
which is like such an old school thing. Like they just set up like a big, big old amp and they crank up like, you know, some Sinatra tune and the the man and woman sings over it. Right. It's just, (laughs) but people get up and dance and, and kind of waltz around the plaza Mm -hmm. and all those restaurants right in there. That would be my favorite. It would be nice if I could come up with the name of any of them, but um, I don't know. They're famous for ravioli. Anyway. Another day. Well, I think people want to dance. That's why I think people, we should have a dance party, an adult dance party. I love it. Fundraising dance party. I'm I'm thinking about organizing one for January. All right. Well, I want to be on the guest list and I'm not just saying that because we're recording this for posterity, but you've hit upon a love of mine. I'm not necessarily a great dancer, but I do enjoy it. And, you know, you get, um, you know, after all your friends get married, when when you're in your 20s, all you got to do is wait for, or even 30s, wait for people to get married. Then you get to go to a wedding. And what's more fun than... A wedding. I mean, you, I mean, typically, even a bad wedding is a great wedding. <laughs> you know, right. DJ or Bent Live Band or whatever, and people are celebrating. And, um, you know, then you grow up, you become more of an adult, and there are a lot fewer opportunities to do that. I used to throw a party called the Yazzies, which was a fundraiser for autism research, yeah. but also a costume party and also a karaoke-ish party. <laughs> I actually did it from, I revived it in a matter of speaking for my 50th. We did my 50th at uh, Fenway Johnny's in Kenmore Square there, uh-huh. and we just had, and we had, you know, my brother Adam dressed up like Freddie Mercury, <laughs> and um, my other brother dressed up like Andy Gibb, which was kind of a deep pull, and he, he sang an Andy Gibb song. So people got up and we played music, but then people got up and sang. And, and so, can I tell you? So much fun and ah, dancing. Yeah, right? Adults so, need to have fun. Exactly. They're, they should be allowed to, for crying out know. loud. Yes. People don't have parties anymore that much at house parties or certainly rarely these kind of events. We got to keep talking Hindal. You're talking, I swear to yeah. God, you're talking my language. Right. It, and, yeah, and, and, you know, I've thrown costume, I keep saying costume, because to me, if dancing is great and it's double the fun if you can have a costume party because costume party you, you get i mean immediately something to talk to people about because right. you know you go up and you're talking to elvis or the captain and Tennille or yeah and right. you ask why they selected that costume exactly yeah. right now, something about their personality now do you this is not necessarily a boston center question but do you have a memory of a favorite costume that you wore to a particular halloween party or something? i i hate to say this i'm a little embarrassed but i'm not big on costumes oh Maybe I'm not Security, see her out of the studio. Yeah. That's okay. As the long party as it, is probably not. As long as you like dancing. Right. Well, since you brought it up, what's your what's your go-to uh, jam? What's the, the, or a song or two, or even a style or two of songs? I, lo- I really like Latin music. Oh, okay. Because uh, it's also good to dance to. Mm-hmm. Like a very quick beat. So that's great. But I love some pop music, too. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be an eclectic party. But then it's going to be... So lots of different kinds of music. I actually was playing some music for my phone the other day for some people on the weekend, and I realized I have very eclectic taste. I do too. Yeah, and you you should because I have friends that like just stopped like listening to new new music in the in the eighties or maybe even the seventies, yeah. and so they just they just listen to. Um, you know the oldie station, and um, uh-huh. don't get and, beyond and, it. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of good stuff, and there's so a lot of good musicians. Yeah, and. Um, you know, you mentioned Latin music, so I, I can't help but... Uh, oh, good. What do you got? Well, it's a little bit of an obvious choice, but... Oh, Ricky Martin, yeah, of course. <laughs> he was in the news recently for helping oust the disgraced mayor of Puerto Rico, governor of Puerto Rico, whatever they are. He apparently led the charge. Did you follow that at all? Oh, it was just about two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah recently. Yeah, but he was... And I guess the mayor... What is it, by the way? Mayor? Governor? I, I think forget. it was governor. Governor. 
he had maligned Ricky Martin, I think, in a tweet, along with a lot of other terrible things he had tweeted or texted or something. And so... We have to be less- very careful what means of communication we refer to now. Is it was it a was it a text? Was it an email? <laughs> was it a tweet? I'm sorry, <laughs> counselor. If sorry? I may rephrase with more specificity. <laughs> anyway, it but- hardly matters, really. The lesson, as usual, though, is watch your grammar and don't mess with Ricky Martin. <laughs> bueno, okay, bueno, everybody. All right, well, I'll ask you two more questions, then I'll let you out of the vault. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, Matt Damon or Ben Affleck, and why? Matt Damon has this impish smile about him, just like <laughs> does, my son, it? and I happen to like that. That's just a cute little little mischievous. So you like? Um, so you'd rather have sort of nice guy Damon rather than um, fiendish Damon or assassin Damon? You know, you like got in the Bourne Identity, in the Bourne movies. Yeah, he doesn't smile that much in those movies. Yeah. No, I, I do like his personality. He's okay. cute too, but it's more like his talent, than right. his appearance. And you, uh, Affleck, you don't have any. Uh, no, I think he's great. He's fine, too. He's a, yeah. been a director, too. I think he's very, they're both very talented, and they're both home, homeboys. Well, that's true. They're, they're, uh, although, it's weird. I, I've always said that they were the ones who were responsible for a recent study that came out, which, which um, in unlikely fashion, found the Boston accent the second second uh, sexiest or attractive accent, uh-huh. uh, second only to the southern accent. Uh-huh. Now, you, of course, being from New Jersey, you, you don't. You know, I'm not picking up an <laughs> we accent. We have our at own all. accent. Yeah, uh-huh. well, you, you don't quite have the Tony Soprano accent either. But uh, but I like to say they're responsible for the revival of that, starting with you know Goodwill Hunting and a lot of these movies where the, the Boston accent all of a sudden became endearing. Uh-huh. Although their accent in real life is nowhere near as thick, but they can they can sort of summon it when yeah. they need to. Uh, okay, last question in the vault, and that is: um, give us uh, something cultured that uh, in and around the city, whether it be a, a theater that you like to go to, or a museum, or something like That's that. That's easy. I okay. love the Coolidge Corner Theater in oh. Brookline. And I particularly love going to National Theater Live, known as NT Live, which is usually Tuesday, sometimes Thursday nights at 7 o'clock, and it's a live broadcast of London Theater. I went last week. And that's at the Coolidge Corner uh, Theater? Yeah. Because it's it's a movie theater. It's a movie theater, but a live broadcast of London Theater. Oh, I'm sorry, live broadcast. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. For $22. It's so accessible. Can't beat it. Go in there, and there's actually a commission... an intermission, just like at the theater. Right. And um, there's a bar there. You can go get a glass yeah, yeah. of wine or whatever. A bar. Yeah. There's popcorn, too. Yeah. But last week I saw the Lehman trilogy, which was fantastic. I about don't the know Lehman Brothers. The oh, Lehman. the Lehman. Oh, like Shearson Lehman. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. The so, Lehman Brothers came from Bavaria in the 1840s and opened cotton. Uh, we're in the cotton business, in the textile business in Alabama mm-hmm. originally. And then, as you may recall, in 2008, yeah. uh, Lehman Brothers failed. Of the financial institution Lehman Brothers failed, so it was obviously yeah. just the history from the 1840s till 2007. So you can't trust those Bavarians; they look like all the rest of us, and they sneak uh, up on you with all those financial misdeeds. No, I'm just kidding. They were Bavarians. incredible. Yeah, um, and that's a documentary. No, or, oh, it's a story written by an Italian playwright. Really? <laughs> How about a, that? It's quite amazing. But it's the story of the Lehman Brothers. Yeah, the three yes, brothers okay. that came over, you know, with their suitcases on ships long ago. Would I recognize any of the actors in it, or not so much? Probably. They're all British, I think. Oh. But depends on how much the British best. theater you see. Um, not a lot. <laughs> not a lot. See, this is what happens when you ask somebody to uh, provide something cultured, and you, I realize how uh, not cultured I am. Uncultured. Um, uh, so, <laughs> but, 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 
that, that theater. So I used to live in Coolidge Corner for a few years um, when I was in law school and a couple of years after, I think. But yeah, the theater is a gem. If you've never been there, they they play old movies. They do film festivals, right? Right. And it's like still got that. still have the kind of nice, um, almost shaggy red carpet and felt everywhere. That's what I picture. It's like it's one big uh, velvet rope. You know, <laughs> that's what it feels like to me. <laughs> Nicely restored, though. Yeah, no, it's all yeah. They keep yeah. it up and everything, but it's it, it's old timey and it's uh, it's kind of a cool throwback. So, yeah, used to go there and then you know go across the street to the is the Coolidge Corner Clubhouse still there? It is. You know, yeah. yeah. There's been quite a bit of turnover in the restaurants and shops. There's some little shops that have just opened too. Yeah, in Coolidge Corner. Yeah, that yeah on that main drag there, but most of them have turned over a number of times. Is the Regal Beagle still there? Do you know there, there's a, there's, that was a no? It closed, and a new uh, restaurant is going in, and it may be open by now. But last time I was there, which was last Tuesday, um, it hadn't opened yet. Do you know why it was called the Regal Beagle? I don't. Do you? It was named after the restaurant in the TV show Three's Company. Yeah, Jack and Chrissy used to, you know, and, and Janet used to say, let's go down to the Regal Beagle, or just let's go down to the Beagle. Oh, and uh, I guess the owner was a fan of the show, and my brother and Matt and I were, and Matt, who lives in Brooklyn, we were huge fans of <laughs> Jack, uh, John Ritter, and the show, and just thought it was hysterical that we could actually go to the Regal Beagle, but no more, apparently. Sorry, Regal Beagle. Something yeah. even better will come along. I'm sure, I'm sure. So... We want to talk about what you do. Let me, since um, I'm coming to you from the world of podcasting, and oh, that's a good reminder of me to uh, pay the bills here. Pardon me for one minute, Hindel, where I tell you about the U.S. Postal Service, second largest employer in the United States, offering paid training and ways to move up. Apply today, usps.com slash careers. From mail carriers to corporate management, the USPS works together to provide efficient, affordable service to the American public. The workers are the backbone of its service, and the USPS wants to develop an advanced career. So its development programs train and prepare employees for promotions and a growth in a variety of business areas. Everything you need to know is online, usps.com slash careers. It's the policy of the Postal Service to provide equal employment opportunity and prevent employment discrimination. See, Hindel, this is where the lawyers get involved, right? The Postal Service seeks to attract and retain a diverse workforce in which employees respect and value each other's differences and work to promote collaboration, flexibility, and fairness so that all employees are able to participate and contribute to their full potential. Apply today. That website, usps.com slash careers, the United States Postal Service, deliver for the nation. Now, that was civil rights kind of law, not your kind of law, Hendel, but anyway. You did that very well. Thank you. Thank you. It's it's a, a labor of love to do the live read for the U.S. Postal Service, our good friends over there, my friend George uh, Kippenham, who's one of the higher-ups there. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, good work, always available down at the post office, or at least right now for sure. So let's talk about the the podcast first, and then we'll, we'll sort of expand into like the other things that you do. So, Inside Divorce podcast, um, tell us what like what inspired you to to do it. Um, there aren't a ton of lawyers that podcast still. We work with some great ones here at uh, the company, but but tell us, where'd you get the idea and all that? Well, you know, every day is an adventure at the law firm of Grossman <laughs> Associates. Yeah, we have the privilege of being invited into the most private. Um, you know, lives of people who are divorcing. So, oh, um, I get it. You just you just bring the microphones into your client in, uh, discussions and just let them roll. Yeah. Do so you let of, them yeah, know sure. that? Kind of like that. You don't do that. No, obviously. I don't do that. But you know, a lot of interesting things do happen uh, in or with our cases and with our clients. And um, and I think there's a lot to, for the public to learn about the different nuances of it. It is very multidimensional. Mm-hmm. So there are 32 podcasts posted on my website. We have uh, 
we post one on the 15th of every month. Mm-hmm. And they're just topics that are divorce-related. So I'll give you a couple of examples. A couple of our, our clients that have interviewed that were obviously volunteers. And one talked about the timing of the divorce. Another one talked about how, how he was so glad he pursued parenting, extra parenting time with his children. Mm-hmm. Um, other ones have more to do with subject matter, such as how to get best financing for college when you're when you're divorced or divorcing. Another one ta- is with a patent attorney who talked about patents as an asset of the marriage, mm-hmm. and maybe how we value them and who owns them, that kind of thing. Um, I've talked to uh, coaches, like uh, executive coaches, and you might wonder, well, what what do they have to do with yeah. divorce? But we tied it together. So, it's, for example, if it's an ex- executive, if an executive coach is working with an executive of a company or an owner of a company, and that owner executive is getting divorced, what should that owner tell the staff of that company? Mm-hmm. Should they let the staff know that the owner is going through this? Because, you know, a sheriff might come to the door and subpoena records, or there may be something that goes on in the company that wow. makes pe- the staff uncomfortable or nervous or uncertain about their job ser- future. So maybe it's better to be upfront mm-hmm. and let the staff know. So it talks about... Maybe so it sounds like that. that. I was going to ask you what the coach's advice was. And what you should have said is you have to listen to the podcast. <laughs> but um, we will listen to the podcast. But uh, by the way, once again, it's Inside Divorce Podcast. Find it at Hendel's website, grossmanltd.com. And probably on, aren't you on Apple Podcasts? I am. No? Okay. Yeah. So find it on Apple Podcasts. Uh, so, yeah. W- so that's a fun, that's a question that you wouldn't necessarily think of when you think of divorce law. You, know, you think of divorce law, you people tend to think of the fight over the money and the kids, yeah. right? these little moments and I'm divorced. So I experienced a lot of them firsthand and it's a, it's a scary, it can be obviously a scary, lonely thing. It can be a very sad thing, but there are these little moments where you wonder whether people are looking at you funny. Now, if you're the boss of a corporation, and you get served with a subpoena in your office, you, people are definitely going to look, look at your phone. Well, they're going to wonder what's going on. And it obviously creates uncertainty in the workplace. And, you, you know, as a business owner, you don't want that. But you don't want to t- maybe tell too much about your personal life. But So you have to work with an executive coach potentially and figure out what's appropriate to say and what's not appropriate to say. But there are a lot of other kind of interesting topics, um, divorce-related like one of them was uh, how to separ- how to do the separation. I mean, what, usually one spouse leaves the marital home, and how h- horrible that is for the person who's leaving. Mm-hmm. And what approach and what suggestions I give them about leaving. And, and there's a lot of misconception about uh, leaving the marital home and, and the rights to the ownership of the home. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if a per- spouse leaves the marital home, they still have an ownership right in the home. They still have access to the equity. They still are entitled to equity as an asset of the marriage. So the only thing they're losing, which is big, <clears throat> is access to their kids mm. on a regular basis. So I like parents to have a parenting plan in place in writing, signed by both of them, before one of the spouses leaves the house. Mm-hmm. So the spouse who's leaving knows they have access to their children on a particular schedule. And the children know that as well. Yeah. You know, it, it leads to some interesting th- We were just talking about our favorite TV shows before we started recording. And I recently happened to re-see an episode of Breaking Bad, which I've probably seen like five times now. But, you know, they get – were you a fan of that show or no? Yeah. Breaking Bad. Oh, okay. So, so, so Walt is, is, you know, dying of cancer and decides to become a meth dealer. Not giving anything away um, because that's the premise of the show. He secretly he starts cooking meth because he's a chemistry teacher and he knows how to do it and to make money because he fears he's going to leave his family with no money. He's dying of cancer. and But things go awry pretty quickly, as you can imagine. And at one point, it's so bad with his wife that she kicks him out of the house, um, so to speak. And I guess he, in a matter of speaking, agrees to leave the house. 
But then at one moment, he wants to come back for some reason, He uh, and he just kind of, <laughs> you know, brazenly walks into the house and just starts, you know, sitting down at the kitchen table or some such thing like that. Anyway, she wants to him removed, and she says, if you don't get out, I'm calling the police. Yeah. And he says something like, go for it. And so she calls, and the police come. Yeah. And so now the it, it posed an interesting question. It's like, well, I wonder what happens next. Like... I think the average sort of layperson might look at that and say, well, they have to get him out, right? I mean, he had moved out. He can't just barge back in, can he? But not divorced yet, right? Right. So he, so um, cops said, cop, then it led to this weird thing where the cops are like, uh, you know, Mrs. White, we can have him removed if you are in fear of bodily harm. And the cop almost in the show almost sort of gave her a wink. It's like, yeah. if you say the word, we'll do that. But she didn't want to. Do that, and so that is that kind of sort of true to life. What would happen? You that think? kind of sort of really true to life. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter even if both spouses' names are on the deed, mm-hmm. or both spouses' names are on the note or the mortgage for the house. It's still marital property, and in Massachusetts, at least both spouses have access to right to be in the house unless they've agreed otherwise. Yeah. Um, so that's why one of the first court orders when a divorce starts is one of the spouses often has sole use and occupancy, which are the magic words. Mm. That that spouse lives in the house, is the only one that lives in that house, along with whenever children are there, and the other spouse can't just come and go. Mm-hmm. They can maybe come in with permission, with notice, if they have some things they have to get out, but they can't just barge in. Mm-hmm. And similarly, the spouse who's remaining in the marital home can't go walk to in the other spouse's apartment or new, new residence. Mm-hmm. Can't, so right? Because yeah. they, they have no legal right to be in that place, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, there are new boundaries, is the point, yeah, right? You start right. moving, start creating boundaries, and then separating the family little by little. Yeah. And this That's wasn't meant to suggest that Hindell would advise her clients to just go barging back into the marital home whenever you feel like it. I suppose it's not necessarily the best move strate- <laughs> strategically. Not. Yeah. Um, so what are, what are some misconceptions about it? I assume in talking to all these professionals, a lot of um, stories come out, and but it sounds like in every episode you get some... You get some knowledge. It's, it's really educational when it comes to divorce. What are some of the misconceptions out there? Um, that goodwill breeds goodwill. So there oh are two things I tell clients when I first meet them. These are my two philosophies. Mm-hmm. One is that goodwill does not breed goodwill. And by that I mean I don't want to turn a very nice, generous, thoughtful person into a not-so-nice person. But if a person getting divorced thinks that the nicer they are to the other person, that the other person will be nice to them in return, it doesn't usually work that way. Wow. And often people think, well, this is, this is gonna, I want this to be an amicable divorce. I'm just going to be nice, nice, nice. And then all of a sudden they find that the other person isn't nice in return and they start to wonder what's going on. And then mm. I hope that they haven't given away too much initially when they're being nice and exhibiting goodwill. But, you know, if you want to do it, just do it knowing not to expect much in return, When you say giving away, it's like they might, in a moment, make a decision to say, well, he or she can have this. Right. And then you can't necessarily take that back if you've agreed to it. it. Right. Some things you can't change that easily. Yeah. Um, So it's just a little warning I give. Sometimes people heed it and sometimes they don't. And the other uh, philosophy I have is that... uh, Refusing to negotiate is the strongest form of negotiation. Now, Ooh, I don't usually do that. I like to negotiate. I also I like to resolve cases. But I also, if I'm so, if someone proposes something to me for, or a client that's completely unreasonable, I think it's fine just to say no. Mm. Sometimes when I find that when I feel that the other side's being really unreasonable, and of course it can be done to me too. Right. I understand it works both ways. Right. So that's that's interesting because normally you think you you 
just get paid to fight, 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 but you're looking at it from a more long-term strategic way based on all the cases that you've handled in the past, right? Yeah, I have a, I have a lot of experience doing that. <laughs> Sometimes if someone makes a really outrageous you know, proposal, you know, you can see that it's not worth spending the time negotiating back and forth. It's also because I'm conservative about legal fees. Mm-hmm. And I can see there's no point in getting down in the dirt on this ridiculous proposal because there's mm-hmm. nothing I can salvage out of it. Right. right. I'll just say no, that doesn't work for us, and I'll just leave it because the time isn't right. Every case has its time. Right. Will you take? Will you represent a client in an uncontested divorce, or is it kind of only hire you if there's a fight to be to be had? Oh, I love it when it's yep. uncontested, but it rarely is completely uncontested. It's rarely a hundred percent uncontested. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we yeah. can go down a path for a while, and everything can be fine, and we, you know, do pretty well. And then often there's just some issue that you find out about sometimes later on. Now you and I can tell how serious you take it. Uh, no surprise to me, having known you for so long. I know you're a very good lawyer. That you you need to represent your cliently, zealously within the boundaries of the law. And it's not your job to look at the other side and say, "Oh, poor you know, Mister So and So over there," you know. Uh-huh. Um, but it, is it? Are you ever? Do you ever need to? I'm sure you do. But maybe describe a way in which you do this, or an occasion in which you've 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 pulled in the reins of a particularly um, embittered client? Well, one thing I, I do often now is with rec- recognizing the separation of the two parties, two spouses from the marital home, I know that that's a traumatic event for some, the person moving out. And that might not be my client, or sometimes it might be my client. It depends on who I'm representing at that moment. Mm-hmm. But say I'm representing, for example, the wife, and she's remaining in the marital home with the children, and the husband is moving out. I know to get started, he's going to need some capital, some cash. Um, so instead of just saying, you're out of here, too bad, I say, look, I know you're going to need, if you're renting first and last month's rent and maybe a security deposit, you're going to need some money to buy some furnishings. Let's come up with a number that, that would make that easier for you to move out. Let's figure out a time frame where that would work for you to give you time to look and figure out where you're going to live relative to this house. You can see the kids easily. And let's figure out where the money is going to come from. Mm-hmm. So that's how I approach it with some nod to appreciating the other side's point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, if you want to get in touch with Hindell, if you have questions about divorce, um, we don't necessarily support divorce on this podcast, you, but um, heck, it happens, people. <laughs> what are the latest stats, by the way? I hear this all the time. I do this to make myself feel better since I'm divorced. Like the, the people, 50% used to be the number that people yeah. throw out. Do you think that's still true or is it different now? Well, I think the dynamic is different in that fewer people are marrying. Right. I think more... F- people are having children and not marrying. And so there are fewer marriages and therefore I think the percentage is still between 40 and 50% depending on, you know, how recent yeah. the statistics they're looking at are. But um, I think there are fewer marriages. People, we need you to keep getting married so that you, some of you eventually get divorced. So Hindel stays in business. Although <laughs> she's, she's not stuck for lack of clients at the moment, I assure you. But, but yeah, no, I think um, that's, that's, I may be um, overreaching here, but that's a millennial generation thing. I think that they they're in no rush to get married, and I would gather, I would guess that the statistics would bear out that people who get married later in life tend to stay married. Or am I making that up? 
Uh, no, I've had a, a, quite a few marriages that are for people in their 50s and 60s. You know, they wait for the children to go to college or go out of college and then decide, you know, they stay but, together long enough and they're going right, to Right, but did them. they get, but my question is, did they get married when they were in their 20s or did they get married uh, when they were in their 40s or 50s? You see what I'm saying? Yes. I would think that people would, because, you, I mean, I look back at when I was in my 20s and I just, I, I was, I didn't know anything. I mean, I was an idiot. Like, I mean, a nice idiot, but still, like, I, I feel like you you just learn. Life is about learning, you know, and so... You know a hell of a lot more when you're 35 than when you were 25, and more when you're 45. Then you can do the math after that, people. I'm not gonna. I don't have to say everything for you, do I? Anyway, but uh, but I but I think you you know um, the convention of you know when I was growing up was I think still, and maybe it's an old fashioned convention that you get married in your 20s or maybe in your early 30s, and then you have your kids, and then you're done. <laughs> there's the a path laid out. Yeah, for there's you, a right? path exactly, yeah. and I think a lot of these millennials say, "Well, why?" I mean, you know, my son is probably too young to be a millennial. He's 17, but you know, he played baseball and basketball, and at some point he said, and he was good at him. And at some point he said, eh, not so much fun at that anymore, but I do want to play a sport. I really love ultimate Frisbee, right? Oh, yeah. And he's awesome at it, and he loves it, and I love that he did that uh-huh. because, like, you know, I, re- I loved basketball. I liked baseball. I didn't like it as much, but I just kept playing because it's like, well, that's what you do. You're a kid, you know. Yeah. You know, as long as you can swing a bat, you know, get out there and don't bitch about it. You, know? <laughs> you don't have to do the thing you're good at. You can choose to do something yeah. else. Right? And I think that's maybe that's a twisted analogy, but I think, you know, a lot of these kids, like, well, it's time to get married. And, oh, no. Why? Like, yeah. and, um, well, I think um, people who get married don't have really a lot of information to how to be in a marriage how to, from all different perspectives. That's why I want to start Marriage University. I already own the name. Oh, you've buried the lead here, Hindell. <laughs> as we're up against the clock, but I'll give you another minute to talk about it. Please tell us what that is. Uh, it's been brewing in my head for a long time. I own the uh, the name Marriage University. Marriage and so University. Okay. I want to teach people how to be married. Wow. That's turning your whole shtick on its head. I know. You don't want to tell them how to be divorced. You want to, so it would be put myself out of business, right? Well, and, and, <laughs> but but uh, a boon to the new business. So what? Um, see, you're, you're you're getting them from both angles here. You're getting them coming and going, Hindell. So, <laughs> but but what form would this take? This could be not an actual university. I mean, obviously, but it, like a, maybe it could be podcast. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so you want to leave it as a teaser for our listeners. Okay. Could be. When it's a reality, will you come back on the podcast? I'd be delighted. Okay. Um, Hendel Grossman. Once again, GrossmanLTD.com, and the podcast is Inside Divorce. And, uh, like, if people have ideas for guests and stuff, should they get in touch with you? They can contact you on the website, I'm sure. Yeah. All that business. I'd love to be contacted. The office is in Newton, Grossman & Associates. Right. And I'd love more uh, podcast uh, content for anyone who's interested in being on my podcast. Uh, or ideas for marriage university of what would be of interest. I love it. I love it. Thank you, if David. If you can't get divorced and get married or something, if you get, I don't know. But be, prepa- be prepared to be married. There you go. Be prepared to be married. Oh, see, that's a tagline for the university. Put that right, right on the crest. It'll look lovely. Uh, I hope you had fun. Did you have fun? I had fun. I want to give right. my tagline. Go okay? ahead. Absolutely. Giving clients another chance for happiness. Oh. I like it. Divorce attorney. You know, it is. That's a, that's a great one because happiness is what we all want. Sometimes we forget and we get caught up, get up in distraction and other things. But, you know, if, um, yeah, I mean, if you're married and you're miserable, you know, as uh, the scribe Walt Whitman said, most men lead lives of quiet desperation. Believe me, most of them are married. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm, listen, I'm being uh, glib, but, you know, that's, that's a good reason to get divorced, to be happy, for both, for both people to be happy. So. That's, That's and Hindel will get you there. So awesome. 
Thanks for being here. Our thanks once again to our sponsor, the U.S. Postal Service, the website usps.com slash careers. I'm Dave. On behalf of Hendel Grossman, like I said, I'm Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Enjoy the day, everybody. You must be the other guy. <laughs> <laughs>